Welcome to Hort Culture, where a group of extension professionals and plant people talk about the business, production, and joy of planting seeds and helping them grow. Join us as we explore the culture of horticulture. And welcome to this plant podcast that is about lard. Bonjour. Uh, yes. That's, <laughs> lard that is the topic of the moment. Uh, lard. <laughs> to be recording nice. this. So uh, let's, let's throw it back to, uh, I'm sorry, lard cakes were the topic of discussion, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yes, lard cakes. Uh, my grandmother would make on the old wood fire stove. She would basically take lard and some kind of mi- very simple mixture and deep fry that. I mean, so far so good, right? Lard and deep fry. <laughs> right, Say, right. I mean, chefs in France are just like rolling over in the grave and they're, they know the value of lard. They yeah. know. Yes, it's a, it's a, it moves the flavor around, actually. <laughs> but uh, she would make these, these uh, called lard cakes, and I guess it was a, sort of an Appalachian thing back in the day. And we would have those things, and it was funnel cake like, but at the same time, it was a bit different. It was a lot heavier, and it was <laughs> mind-numbingly no. good. Yes. Um, I, I, it was so, so good. But uh, was there it was like any sort of, of was like a sugar or a glaze on the outside? Or yeah, was it- they, but it was the. Had the oil had to be just the right temperature, and then the lard would interact with that, and it would form like a glaze on the outside. And she would know when the stove was just hot enough because she had used the same stove for Cold time out of mind. Yeah, no electricity. Yeah, a wood, wood stove, no electricity. Grandmother never had electricity, in. but seeing that process was was phenomenal for me. But you know, I started this conversation because fall. I always think about all the festivals and then I start to think about funnel mm-hmm. cakes and then I start to think about lard cakes and one <laughs> thing leads to another in my mind, but and it's eat. the fall season. It's this season, not only of spookiness for me, but of eating and feasting. So as a, as a dumb, dumb city boy by trade, would you say that <laughs> by nature, is it typical that would the hogs be typically slaughtered in the fall or well, we did. Uh, we would normally uh, slaughter out a couple uh, a year, and it was in the fall time of the year because that's when they're at the proper weight and mm-hmm. uh, they're ready to ready to go to market or not to market. Yeah. They would go to the butcher. Like, we never, you know, some years we would butcher them ourselves and hang them up and go through the whole process, and that was an interesting process in itself. Talking about being close to your food, I love that mm-hmm. process as mm-hmm. a kid. But sometimes we would take them and, and actually have them rendered out later on. Did you all have like a like a smokehouse to like hang? hams and stuff or no we had a tree that had a limb that came out at a 90 degree angle angle and then we had a kind of a come along that we would you know this is dispatch the animal humanely (laughs) <laughs> that was always important to my dad because he loved animals. My father yeah. absolutely loved animals. So we would, you know, the hog would be killed and hung up. And then it was like a gathering of uncles and aunts. And we would mm-hmm. have kind of a big day where we would get together, heat a bunch of water in large containers because there's this process to remove the hair that they have to be mm-hmm. kind of heated in there mm-hmm. and then scraped mm-hmm. very quickly and, and cleaned up. And, and that very same day, we would always have tenderloin from the hog and us kids knew that that was coming but behind tenderloin my favorite thing was cracklings which is basically the lard of the hog being rendered out and it's like a precursor to a pork rind it's what Mm. pork rinds wish they were Mm. yes cracklings and i guess you guys you we can still get cracklings in the store i guess i see them from time to time they're they're similar they're like a pork I mean, rind, but they have more fresh. soft fat on them. Yeah, they're not f- as fresh as I'm accustomed to. But yeah, I love cracklins. I love the fall season because I'm associating all this with when we would, Lard. you know, 
kind of yeah lard Family. and go through and, and, and turn the animals into lard yes lard yes, cakes and pumpkin green. spice lattes baby <laughs> psl and lard if ray tackett was two things it would be those two like yes. we need to get you a candle it's like pumpkin spice lard yes yeah. a, a lard lard pumpkin lard i don't well, know what I, it would be called i appreciate you sharing that because because i mean yeah, lard I think, spice as far as Kentucky goes, you got the deepest the deepest roots and mm-hmm. and uh, particularly agricultural roots in Kentucky of any of us. And kind well, of I don't know about of... that. You guys have awesome backgrounds as well. Oh, it's just it's just my dining room. <laughs> it's just your dining room, but Uh-oh. it's it's black oh, those lace are my though, degrees. Brett. It's black <laughs> lace. I love it. Yeah, well, I just but think, yeah, I know. Hearing about that stuff is 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 really mm-hmm. grounding for me, and it just kind of reminds me that there there are these really deep, uh, you know traditions folk traditions in some cases that define the year and help connect with seasonality and all that kind of stuff and um i think that's kind of along the lines of what we're talking about today is some of the folkloric i don't know if it'll be too spooky for me if it is i'll just close my eyes (laughs) Some some of the different folkloric things around horticulture but before we do that shout out to maybe my favorite specialty crop which is coffee just made myself a coffee for a second. I, I was like, we were talking. I thought you said witch's coffee. You said which is coffee. Mm. I was like, ooh, witch's coffee. Tell me more. What's in that? Boil, is boil, pull in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if the witches just gave us regular coffee, they can call it witch's coffee if they want because it is. Yes, if it's decaf. It's more like I don't know what that would be. Yeah. Have Not you ever heard coffee. of a? But like bullet coffee, I think is what it's called. With the butter in it. With the butter oh, in it. What yeah. would it be called if you put lard in it? Oh. Better. Nuclear Better coffee. coffee? <laughs> Ultimate. Bullet. bullet coffee. It would. Nuclear <laughs> coffee. Nuclear coffee. Yeah, I don't know. That's so, called Foothills coffee. Yeah. Oh, you'll I see love the that. You'll see that uh, the former Kentucky quarterback Will Levis, who now plays for the Tennessee Titans, puts mayonnaise in his coffee. Mm. No. And he's now he has a sponsorship for a lifetime supply of, of Hellman's mayonnaise uh, as a result. Is at, that like a draft. dietary lubricant, well or plates, what would be the motivating well factor? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, what this because uh, he did it. Well, there's like fat and like some salt. Salt to like open up, you know, a lot of flavors, but mm-hmm. it's not something I've ever done. Yeah, I can't. Uh, I kind of want to try it, but I don't want to hate myself. It, and it, it's like you know, <laughs> until you really, really like kind of whisk it with the stir, it's like chunky. Oh, I bet. <laughs> you know, it's like. Wow. At least yeah. melts into it, you know. And pretty Have you ever made the mistake on a table of mistaking like something like butter for mayo, or did one of those? Not good. Milk Not and good. water, mm-hmm. like where you know it's like a cup you can't see through, and like you think. Like, oh yeah. My mom would always drink like cold milk on a hot day, mm-hmm. and the rest of us are normal people who would drink water. <laughs> right, <here>. That's right. <laughs> so I forget you're from she, Northern you know, we, Appalachia. We had, like, like, you gotta cool yeah. off. <laughs> We had all matching like cups, right? And so you you had to remember where you put it. So if you didn't and you grab the wrong one and you take a swig and it's milk instead of water and you're like, Ugh! like it, uh, yeah, oh, it's the worst. It's a, the consistency of it and everything. Yeah, just everything I, is I, not I right. I from a long line of buttermilk drinkers and I still don't get that. Mm. I was the one Ooh, in my yeah. family that would back away slowly. My brother would drink it by the half gallon quantity and Whoa. me just the opposite i'd rather eat yeah. my food than drink it i was like no thank you yeah, the buttermilk oh, made buttermilk it's got and that I kind of like, like sour a little mm-hmm. bit too. it's the sour like, yeah I could, <sighs> when i was younger i would do like whole or like unprocessed kind of mm-hmm. raw milk but eat buttermilk is like a bridge too far <laughs> my grandfather <laughs> would, would put uh, pep- yeah, milk, like crack pre- pepper in it and then drink it mm-hmm. at that and i was like 
Whoa. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, Pepper was like his thing. The quick version of biscuits and gravy or something? I, <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know, but that was that was those are my Appalachian roots. Drinkable biscuits. <laughs> biscuits and gravy. Add a little flour and some yeah. cracked pepper to my milk. It was Swish always it around that in breakfast, mouth, but not so too that much. does make sense. Yeah. yeah. Don't overwork I think it, your drinkable I think biscuits. the uh, amount of cigarettes kind of dulled the taste buds. Oh, I see. So, yeah, uh, you have to up the, the flavor spectrum. You have to up that to a point to normalize. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. It's a crazy how, you know, regionally people eat different as far as locally and, and at which time period they used to, you know, they at one time ate locally. I know that when I was in Northern Kentucky working for the extension service, uh, they had kind of a neat sort of niche up in Northern Kentucky that they ate. So yeah. 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 I didn't learn about they had their own little niche up next to the <laughs> mm-hmm. river of, I the guess the German. Germans. Mm-hmm. It was really interesting. The different foods that they had up there that was normal to them. Then that yeah. wasn't to me. They're, they get a, I think the brand is called just like Geta, but it now sponsors. I think U.S. Bank Arena is a sponsor. So like when you go to U.S. Bank Arena, you can get Geta say like on different things and like Geta not nachos and stuff because uh, they're a sponsor. I typed so. it into a popular search engine and it auto completed <laughs> with Geta Fest. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's a, Fest? It's a huge thing. I'm from that area, wow. so uh, yeah. yeah. Like all, everybody I know goes to that, and it's pretty cool. I like the the definition because I mean you know I've had yeah, it. It's tell like everybody steel what steel cut oats mix, but uh, the the first sentence is Geta is a meat and grain sausage or mush of German mm-hmm. inspiration, popular okay. in Metro Cincinnati. It's ground meat with steel cut oats and spices. Essentially, mm-hmm. like you're stretching how far the meat can yeah. go by adding yeah. oats in. Plant it's like adding it's noodles awesome. to your chili. Yes, but better stretching it because or rice to anything. (laughs) I know I had multiple people uh, who do listen to this podcast be like message me with either two or four noodles in the chili. Like that is what they honed in on was like noodles Mm -hmm. do go on chili or agree (laughs) noodles do not like not plant not plant anything. uh, Just the the noodles and the chili. So give us your take on Geta people. Well, I made uh, I made chili the other night and I unbeknownst to Annie laid a trap. Where I said, well, you could choose what you would like to make, what you like to, ha- what grain you'd like to have with it. It's totally done when you get home from work. Just choose if you want to make rice or you want to make uh, pasta. She chose rice. Nice. I'm <laughs> Pennsylvania, though, so let's not let's not hey. take what she says too seriously. That's why <laughs> noodles. I mean, that just that just my mother's it, right? from Pennsylvania, like, even when you right? Yeah. Something else. You see the rice. You know Confirmed. the rice is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> That was good. Rice with a lot wrong. of sugar. I mean, we the only way I ever had rice growing up was with lots of sugar. We had Weird. that as kind of a dessert that was yeah. sitting on the table at almost every meal. There was fried potatoes, soup beans, cornbread, and usually some kind of rice with sugar on it. Uh, interesting. Maybe, interesting yeah. maybe we need to do a whole, uh, you know, cuisines intersecting with horticultural products yeah. at some point. Uh, I, I would actually. It's not not horticultural, but I'd like to. Uh, have you all ever had like true, like real eggnog? Yeah. Not like, I, uh, like the way you said it nog. makes me think I haven't. Yeah. You yeah. can't buy it. You I'm questioning. <laughs> you can, can only get it from it. one man who yeah. lives in a shack. <laughs> it's a, it's kind of a like white knuckle process. I think a little bit it's slow, but it's white knuckles for that whole period of time. Uh, Cause it's like mm. raw eggs and you're just like, yeah, right. Letting it sit and kind of 
hang out with alcohol and other stuff. So anyway, what could go wrong? I guess the alcohol prevents some bacterial formation, right? Or... I don't know. I, I again, that's what, that's what a lot of that stuff was was like they had alcohol in it because it would make it so it wouldn't give you gerardia or whatever. <laughs> gerardia, <laughs> but there you But I don't know that I would drink. <laughs> so you wouldn't non- die. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, like the beer would be safer than the water, that kind yeah. of thing. And Gerardia, we don't mean Gerardia Butler either. We mean the other kind. <laughs> Not the bring up old stuff from season one, episode one. Nice. Yeah. But we're going to talk, we're talking today more about folk traditions and stories and narratives and uh, that kind of stuff for fall. So mm-hmm. who, who wants to go wants- first? I want to crack this open. It's not necessarily dealing with fall, but it's one I've heard all my life oh. and I can't not pin down. I think I know what it's going to be, but what is go this? ahead. Knock on wood. Is it going to be about the moon calendar? No, it's knock oh. on wood. It's oh. plant-based. Oh. oh. <laughs> knock on wood. <laughs> right. But I want to hear about what you were asking about. Okay, though, I got it. It's fine. Uh, yeah. Do you guys know anything about the origin of knock on wood? I've read multiple accounts, but never can get a definitive answer I've read everything from the cross and Christ and good luck and tree spirits and the Celts. And uh, that would keep away evil spirits because they were trapped within the wood. I've heard lots of things, but I've always wanted to know the, the reason. Well, they also say, they, people say, well, they say wood. touch wood in Britain, touch but wood? it's the same thing. It's Is the same it? okay. concept. Yeah. yeah I, but I always thought that was a cool one, but I don't understand why I'm saying knock on wood. Uh, I, I never understood that. Why am I knocking on the wood? And it depends on where you're at in the world, well, but everybody's got their own version of I it. I wonder if that kind of go like, I wonder if it's similar to one that I read about, which is about specifically about bay trees, uh, which mm-hmm. is, you know, not like your, be that's like your, your love. boyfriend or girlfriend tree. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Bay. It's the tree before anyone else. Tyler tree. <laughs> <laughs> Your, your bay, bay tree. leaf tree, which we don't have here, but supposedly, and I think I love this because of all the things it protects you against, but if you stand by one, you don't even have to touch it apparently, but if you stand by a bay tree, you cannot be hurt by witches, the devil, or lightning. Okay. <laughs> or lightning. It, it, actually also said, it actually also said thunder, and I was not aware you could be hurt by thunder, so that was news to me. Maybe you like traumatized. Or- yeah, so I, but it's interesting. I wonder, you know, you read all of these and you see how they all kind of relate back. So, like, knocking on wood, touch wood, stand mm-hmm. by a certain type of tree. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, like if it's, I, I bet it has kind of those hmm. like pagan uh yeah some kind of protection thing right like mm-hmm. that's the common theme is you get protection, so protection from, from, against bad luck things. or against yeah. lightning well, that's sort of like the Celtic ver- version was kind of that because spirits are embodied within trees mm-hmm. and trees are made out of wood so mm-hmm. they would there's a tradition of knocking on the trees to wake up the spirits when you're getting ready to ask for something yeah right. so the knock on wood that was one version no, don't knock on my door when you want something <laughs> yeah. wait you will not get the good up. spirit. Also, well, I love kind that of common. You... I was <laughs> going to say there is this kind of common thing with protection and plants, and that even like some of the let's say mythological origins of medicine are these like relationships that people well, that's like have with garlic. Plants, is it not? Right? I want to hear you guys. Your guys take. I know you guys pray the whole vampire and garlic thing. Isn't it sort of like that? Is the medicinal value somehow tied in with that? Mm-hmm. that well, is, pretty much. That's the so big many, garlic. So many, so many medicines that are critical today come from plants, right? There's like mm-hmm. that direct connection, but 
you know, and kind of pre-modernity, there was just the association of like herbs and plants and what they what they can do for us mm-hmm. or the way that they looked even like ginseng. I think of ginseng looking like a, or mandrake yeah, looking, like looking like a dude or a yes, person. Yeah. Yes. And I hadn't even thought about ginseng, which I dug a lot growing up, you know, always in season, <laughs> mind you, but um, <laughs> always they would always pay more for the wild ginseng because it had more contortions and had more mm-hmm. resemblance to a person mm-hmm. than cultivated ginseng, which was not typically grown in rocky environments, so it was smoother. It would not bring a tenth of the price for the uh, the, the buyers of that. Uh, but yeah, I didn't even ever thought about that. But uh, it's sort of like you're saying it, it, how it ties back and how the associations work mm-hmm. with medicine or or mm-hmm. whatever for protection in the yeah. broader sense, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, I, I was reading on garlic and why that's my ultimate spooky thing because i mean bram stoker's dracula you know hey garlic was in there several times (laughs) why was it in there so i started you know looking trying to track down the legend of garlic and i guess the only thing that i could come up with over several sources and and this was even as a kid trying to read now it's much easier you've got the google and the internet to do research hopefully you're using good sources but you know garlic and all of its antimicrobial properties and it's just one Mm -hmm. of the most ancient horticulture crops five seven thousand years old babylonians and the whole garlic crescent thing but it goes back so far into antiquity but because of its properties of being able to cure certain diseases that was associated and vampirism, I guess, uh, was associated to be like a malady or a disease. And mm-hmm. I guess that's why it's associated with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's different stories. Once again, today we're talking about folklore and myths. So there's probably more or less no definitive answers uh, for some of these things. But I thought it was pretty interesting. Why is garlic a, you know, associated with a whole vampire mythology? So, yeah. Fun. What'd you uh, this, find, this is, it's, this is an interesting, this whole conversation, it, it's making me think that you all are crazy. No, it's making me think that. <laughs> no, we definitely don't already know that you are. Welcome to the podcast. I'm going to take some mandrake root. <laughs> it's, it's making me think that about, uh, you know, we're, we have this role in extension and part of what we're doing is to work from, you know, science-based recommendations and all of that. And mm-hmm. we talk about all that stuff and, and, you know, to take a little bit of a heady step out of the, the conversation, Science is just one of one epistemology. It's just one way of knowing about the world. It's one that's really good. It's really helpful, and, and it informs a lot of good decision making. It's also informed a whole lot of bad decision making, and, and some uh-huh. of the darkest periods in human history, to be honest. But uh, shout out Oppenheimer. Have you guys I was seen the movie? Have we seen Oppenheimer? Shout out Barbie as well. Because you can doesn't mean you should. Barbie Blonde, and Oppenheimer. Girls the, the highs and lows of of the scientific paradigm. <laughs> But I, I think that it's important to, as you know, Josh has already started talking about this idea of just acknowledging other epistemological viewpoints, other ways of understanding the world that they may be less precise in a scientific sense, or they may be less, uh, you know, definable in some ways. And there, there may be challenges, they may be wrong, you know, but to, to sort of dismiss them out of hand or, or, or talk about them in some sort of a, a disparaging or condescending mm-hmm. way is just so counter to the, and I don't know, the flow of human history in a productive way, in my opinion. A lot of these things are the basis of, um, you know, modern inquiry as far as, you know, way back when you made observations, you didn't always have the instrumentation to draw an empirical connection or quantifiable connection, but you knew through observation that 
you know, this, this equaled that. Happening. Yeah. Yeah. You made observations and before, you know, modern medicine, modern equipment and, you know, ways of looking at tiny little things like viruses before all of that, you just had observation. You had these, uh, these astute observers that said, Hey, I noticed that when I rubbed this on my arm and I got in the stinging nettle, which is, I hate that plant. Oh my gosh. (laughs) But um, they would rub that, you know, certain plants on there and it would ease the pain. It would have an analgesic effect. So it was observation. So Brad, I think you're onto something now, you know, later on those, you know, some of those things led to, you know, more experimentation and refinement of dosing and things like that and distillation of medicine. So, that's the still the foundation of a lot of our modern uh, uh, discoveries and like antibiotics and things that we used. I mean, the precursors to all that were just people using things because they observed that it had the effect that they wanted. So yeah, yeah. And there's just you a rich, just there's just a rich, a rich uh, long, you know, longer term. Maybe we can move faster through uncovering new knowledge through science, but you know, sometimes a thousand years of experience is, is more worthwhile than, you know, a, a year of clinical trials in some cases. Mm-hmm. And, right. I think, you know, when a classic example is like the, the microbiome, our understanding and, and, and germ theory and eradicating the, the, the all microbes as this, you know, that if we do that, then we won't get sick anymore. And then you have all of these crazy tradition or not crazy, all of these extensive traditions of, of fermentation and of living in harmony with the microbiome and understanding things about, you know, the birth process that might have effects on that later, later in life, et cetera. All of those things that are in terms of human life and the outcomes that they experience enhancing quality of life many in many cases far ahead of our ability to grasp exactly what's happening and so that there's just some something there i don't know that it's worth exploring and thinking about um i try i try to take the both the best of both or all worlds and and perspectives as much as possible but so to pull us back from whatever i just took us down (laughs) from the precipice let's go into the woo woo that's why persimmon seeds oh yeah can they or can't they tell the future so tell the, us, tell the idea tea leaves the idea here so if you're not familiar with persimmons interestingly the often referred to botanic or, or referred to they are related to the ebony tree persimmon trees are related to ebony sometimes called white well, ebony. how bougie of them yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Contradiction in terms. I love it. <laughs> White ebony. They have a fruit that they produce late in the season. Um, there's all kinds of thoughts about the, you know, that the best persimmons are the ones that you pick after the frost in terms of taste and all that kind of stuff. It's a, a native fruit to this part of the the country. There's you also only Asian. make the mistake one time ever if you eat them mm-hmm. before the frost. Mm-hmm. Right. You only make that- all the moisture is gone. <laughs> They're very astringent, if you're wondering what that means. Mm. Like in your mouth, all the moisture is gone. Is that what yeah. you mean? You can't talk no, just in the, wor- just in the world in everything. You're <laughs> oh, everything goes numb. You are a husk of a person. Oh, my God. This long. sounds like you folklore. instantly mummified. <laughs> no, no. I've done it, and it is uh, the native persimmons. You only make mm-hmm. the mistake one time. I couldn't talk for 15 minutes. It was uh, yeah, it's interesting. Awful. It's the longest but- I ever went without talking. Wow. <laughs> but sorry, Brett, you were saying. Well, that's okay. Uh, and so anyway. Simmons, yeah. I think pawpaws get a lot of acclaim mm, in the one. native fruit world. Mm-hmm. And I'll just say, I, I know it'll 
get some hate. I'm not a big Pawpaw fan. I don't really like That's them that fair. much. That's fair. I like so, it. We're distinct. Like it. But anyway, Pawpaw's related all to kinds bananas. of people to make a world. That's right. <laughs> Even if you're wrong. <laughs> all kinds uh, of well, kinds. Just saying, take a look at some of the evidence about pawpaws and uh, ananasin toxicity, neurotoxicity. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. May also push down. everything right out of you, in case you were wondering. They're oh. diuretic. Okay. <laughs> Back but to pawpaws. Or persimmons, I think, are the, to me, the underdog native fruit that uh, is a pretty mm-hmm. cool one. And there is a, a, a folk tradition of if you take and cut the seeds of a persimmon in half and you look at that cross profile, it will give you an indication of the relative mildness or harshness mm. of the winter, depending and or snowfall. And so the, the way that it manifests and you can look up pictures of this online, if you cut it and if it looks uh, now I'm going to get them mixed up, but if it looks like a knife, it will be a I think hard winter. A, the wind hard, harsh winter. Yeah. Slice yeah. and frigid, you. frigid wind. If it's a, a fork, it will be a mild winter mm-hmm. because the wind will only fork through you. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> no big deal. Uh, yeah, totally. And if it's a spoon, I've never heard that one. The spoon is like the this. scooping dynamic of having to shovel snow. So if there's a spoon in it, it's going to be a big snowfall year. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's actually kind of cool. And some of the, you know, as you can might imagine with a natural seed product, some some of the re- revelations, depending on the cut and everything else, are clearer than others. But there are some of them where it is very clearly a spoon mm-hmm. or very clearly a knife, which is pretty cool. I don't, I don't know that there's been... What's that? It's the embryo. Yeah, the embryo. Yo. <laughs> And Capital so that, that's a that's a a tradition kind of it's a I guess in in a sense it's a look ahead on the on Punxsutawney Phil's outlook <laughs> on things in in the uh, the fall to be able to uh, fall in early winter to be able to see what's this winter going to be like. Did you find out where which region or part of the world that one came from, Brett? Any idea? That's pretty interesting. Uh, I believe it's it's a like a Central Appalachian. Okay, gotcha. Thing, yeah. Because persimmons are all over the place, native persimmons. So yeah. it would make sense that a lot of those traditions are drawn on what's around you. Mm-hmm. So that would kind of make sense. I could I could see that. Yeah. There is a persimmon tree at the Arboretum, and I have yet to time it right to go get myself some. But it seems like the cultivated persimmons, a lot to, you can eat those before the frost, some of those. But the mm-hmm. natives, you don't want to do that. Definitely yeah. don't want to do that. And Alexis said, if you eat it, there's another folkloric issue. If you eat it, all of the world, all of the water goes out of the world. (laughs) You're having like a lot of rain. Literally, we'll only do that once. (laughs) Nobody do that. I have have created Ragnarok. (laughs) (laughs) How about guys, and I did not look this up and I should have. I know there's lore behind it, lots of lore. But how do we get to pumpkins during Halloween? How do we get to that? Somebody mentioned that the last... A show or so, we were having a conversation maybe before we even started recording. What, what's up with that? Alexis, what did you say? Turn up the volume? Wasn't it something to do with turnips? I thought like the <sighs> first pumpkin jack-o'-lanterns were turnips. Yeah, they were actually turnips. It's, it seems like I, uh, History Channel had a Halloween special maybe a few years be- ago, several years ago. I yeah. believe that there was a strong tradition and you know, just like most of the Things we know about Christmas or Easter or everything else, they were they are these 
so so Christianized pagan practices, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But I think there was a Mm -hmm. long history of carving not just turnips, but other types of vegetables, particularly in parts of the British Isles, you know, because you get to a certain point and it's like, we've got enough root vegetables to save for the winter. (laughs) What are we even, this one's huge. It's going to taste terrible. So let's Let's make a face out of it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. This is me, me, uh, you know, editorializing on the process, but that's probably what it would be like if like me and Josh were there growing these. (laughs) Maybe it'll keep away evil spirits. Check it out. That one's the size of my head. Yeah. Whoa. The rest is your face into it. (laughs) And I think that that, that, tradition and process was then interpreted or was taken, you know, rolled into, I, I would guess like a Celtic kind of tradition, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, was mm-hmm. then rolled into more mainstream British culture and then American culture. But as far as the leap from turnip to, to pumpkin, that, that much, I'm not exactly sure. I don't know if there is a clear historical jump. I mean, you got to scoop out the guts anyways, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Makes me wonder, too, if... Well, it's, if, it's a, like if pumpkins. Maybe. Pumpkins, as we know them, originated in North America, so it's probably some kind of a oh, exchange. Yeah. That's what I'm just now seeing, and I'm just looking through one of the Britannica sites, which you know is usually a pretty good source of uh, info. It says, in Ireland, people started to carve demonic faces out of termites to frighten away the legend of Jack the Wandering Soul. When oh. Irish immigrants moved to the U.S., they began carving jack-o'-lanterns from pumpkins as they were native to the region. So there you go, Josh. You hit it. So that's why and I'd often wonder. I'd never stopped or you know put a lot of thought in that. How do we get from the turnips? I do remember something about that being the traditional, you know, carving and lantern holders. You know, that would be carried around. Uh, you know, during the Halloween season um, in all of its different versions. But yeah, I'd never I'd say did that's an upgrade. The Going from turnip to pumpkin? I think so. I in think some so. ways. In some ways, but I mean, on Kinda the other like hand. from noodles to rice. <laughs> oh. That's a big turnip if you've got enough to carve a face in a turnip. It, but the turnips can be yeah, pretty big. To me, it, you want to eat that turnip. The turnip <laughs> would be more more analogous to like carving out of wood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so in that regard, it, like, you could do you could have some detail in things. But I will say, I've seen some crazy. Mm. Anna, uh, Anna of Bel Air Blooms, Blooms and her dad and their family have done some crazy pumpkin carving, like large mm-hmm. pumpkins. Uh, and mm-hmm. there's, there's because the the Several side walls pound. of the pumpkin are so yeah. thick, they yes. have a lot of yes. depth, relief, and things. That you could have the light shine through if you carve it just at the right. It, exactly. What is it? Louisville has the big jack o' lantern festival. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can drive, or I think now they've reverted back to walking through post-COVID, but uh, the carvings are absolutely art. It's a form of art, what they've, what, you know, can be done with a pumpkin. And I guess, guys, uh, that's specific types of pumpkins, isn't it? Pumpkins that have probably, what, a thicker rind. They're not necessarily pie pumpkins, I'm guessing. All right. Not bread specific. Big, probably bread probably, for a specific yeah. purpose, I'm guessing. Yeah, those probably. selected for certain qualities. I'm not yeah. a pumpkin expert. No, I just know that they're different because the the walls of those things, when you go to get, you know, if, if that's what, you know, farmers typically grow if they have a farm and they know people are going to be carving jack-o'-lanterns, the, the thickness of the sidewall on those pumpkins are three times thicker than pumpkins we grew growing up. Mm. 
So I just have a feeling that I, I know that modern, you know, pumpkins are also um, grown for transport and they have to be a little tougher because pumpkin bins are large and you, these bins are heavy and you, you don't want the bottom layer of pumpkins to crush down, but they also carve very well. But another question for you guys, what I know we're on folklore, but I'm thinking all things fall uh, and seasonal sort of, um, sort of Halloween, but what other plants scream like Halloween or fall to you guys that when you think of fall, you think of that plant besides pumpkins that's already taken. We've talked about that. Do you guys have anything that just jumps to the front of your mind? I mean, I'll throw mm-hmm. one out there. I think of not pumpkins at all, but cushals. We used to grow cushals oh, yeah. and, and we always decorated that at the farm. We didn't have a lot of trick-or-treaters. We were sort of remote, but we would put a fodder shock up cut corn stalks that, you know, were dried and they would be bound up and we would put uh, cushals around those. And, you know, of course we ate a lot of cushal because they were easy to grow, but that's, I think of cushals even before I think of pumpkins, when I think of fall. Delicious. But plants like that, anything that kind of defines apples. Apples. Yeah, that is a a good one. Yeah. Nothing better than apple orchards in the fall. I have a Yankee Mm -hmm. story for you that you're, reminded me of so my parents are from new york and pennsylvania and my mom's from like the appalachian side of pennsylvania but they grow different stuff there right and i remember when we moved to our farm in um quote unquote northern kentucky it's not really northern kentucky but close enough we lived on like a dead end road and bought a piece of a farm from the farmer who essentially used to own the entire road and they were still alive and lived in this little white house and they were real sweet. And I remember I would have been like, I don't know, 10 or something like that. And I remember the farmer's wife came over and brought my mom some cushaws and was really excited to like give her some kushals as as her neighbor and mom was like <laughs> is it the Thanks. right kind of kushal? I mean it, it as a horticulturist now remembering it I'm pretty sure it was like one that you could make a kushal pie out of but my oh, mom was like no idea what this is never heard of a kushal <laughs> no idea and they're wild what looking that was. if you're not familiar yeah, yeah, they're yeah. wild looking <laughs> look yeah. them up there she was just like thank you so much and then was like I have no idea what I'm supposed to do with this and it was just like a funny thing looking back I'm- now that we had those and then she i guess we put them on the porch for like decor or something like that they last a long time they do they last a long time and then we had them coming up like where oh yeah animals eventually got them and we had them like coming up in the pasture one year we always divided those up there was the hard ones that you couldn't cut with an axe like we would test to make sure that we did not have the thick rind cushals that were just they were almost all shell all hard, no good stuff on the inside. Then there was the softer cushions. Those were ladles. Yeah, but hey, if in doubt, if it's a cucurbit or something along those lines, like a cushion, brown sugar and butter. Just take a chance. Roll the dice. Everything. It's going to be amazing. And then bake it. Just bake it. You it's know, you know good. what I've been doing with uh, with winter squash uh, for the mm. last few years what is you got? Uh, I I smoke them. Oh, never like, done them. Like any kind of winter squash. Yeah, pretty much anything that you would put into like, uh, yeah. So like I, um, like we have butternuts for instance mm-hmm. right now, um, and some acorns and a couple other things, but I'll take and peel, peel them, scoop out the seeds and then put them on the, I just use a Weber kettle with some charcoal and some apple wood or whatever you want to do and let them smoke at 250 degrees for a number of hours. And they get this like sweet smokiness and then you mm. can 
take those and you can put them in the fridge. You can put them in the put them in a plastic bag and put them in the freezer, and then take them and chop them up and put them in a stew. You can wow. make them bowl and stick them in the stew. Yeah, exactly. I have, I have. So maybe you got cutting a stew those up going. before you before you grill them or you or smoke them. Are you cutting them in any way before you smoke them? If I'm gonna if I'm gonna use them for a particular way, I'll just cut them to whatever size I want. If I'm just gonna use them, like prepare them to be used for something later, I just cut them in half, just two big huh. halves. Oh, gotcha. of a, yeah. So you don't have to like cube them or anything like small, like cut them up real. Yeah, thin I, gotcha. I don't. And I, you know, yeah. you put it, you can then cut it up and put it. It's a nice filler for things like uh, you know beans for beans and rice or nachos or whatever put it in like i mentioned a, a soup or a stew do mm-hmm. it as a just a mix in for like a alternative stir fry or something like that mm-hmm. but it, it just enhances like it draws out a little bit of the moisture and oh, so yeah. it, mm-hmm. it makes it like a little bit more sweeter a little bit more intense i believe when you cook it doesn't flavor. fall apart or just yeah. holds together very well i imagine yeah. i'm into this cool. all right Good to know. I know it's interesting Making to me. A note of it. There's thoughts going through my mind right now about trying this. So, all right, Josh, do you have some folklore? Oh, uh, well, I was going to bring up the one about um, caterpillars, the the woolly, the woolly worms. worms. I yeah, was called yeah, woolly yeah. bears. Did anybody else call them woolly yeah, bears? Yeah, woolly bear. Woolly bear. Yeah. Caterpillar. We yeah. always call them woolly bears. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, as I heard it, you know, they have the the brown band uh, in the mm-hmm. middle of the caterpillar mm-hmm. and if the wider that band is, the mm-hmm. more mild the winter will be. That's one mm-hmm. that I had heard. That's what I had heard. And then the more ba- black, the usually the colder it was. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Like the more the brown part is, the better or easier the winter will be. The cool. blacker it is, the rougher. Well, I have. Did you, has any, anyone seen a woolly worm? Woolly bear? Not, not, not recently, actually. I've no. seen one. I saw my first it, one of the year. That's what this is. Tell me everything. It was very brown. Yeah. Mm, it was kind of crawling to my back porch and I was like, hey, bud. And I tried to, you know, let him get on something that, or let it get on something that it wanted to get onto and it didn't want to. And then I went to pick it up and I'm pretty sure dumped all of its equivalent of adrenaline or whatever into its body and just like acted dead. And so then I went <laughs> back on the plant. So poor, poor guy. I terrorized him, but he mm. was better off there than on the back porch. So mm. mild Mostly winter. brown though. It's interesting because okay. I was I saw a video um a girl who makes like content about just like some cool Appalachian stuff in Eastern Kentucky and you know she shows her going out foraging and what she makes with all of her her tinctures oh, yeah. and blah Lawrence blah blah. Kenny, right? Yeah. And yes. she uh she did the persimmon thing that we talked about and mm-hmm. uh, the persimmons also were saying a mild winter. So at least mm-hmm. in Eastern Kentucky. Interesting. So if the woolly bears and the persimmons are green, maybe Maybe they're in agreement. I have a list. I have a couple. I have a whole list. It's more. Well, than I was going to say, uh, you know, I hadn't consulted the farmer's almanac in some time, but I did mm-hmm. for this, mm-hmm. and it's saying like cold and snowy. <laughs> Brett's showing us. his cold for and snow. Year. Yeah, yeah. That uh, and you know, interestingly, it's like going to their site. They make a lot of references, like they pull in all this information now from like El Nino and stuff like that. Or oh, the, yeah. the Southern Both Oscillation, screen. which this is like an El Nino year and it can be like kind of variable. There's like more of a likelihood of having those periodic cold blasts from like the polar vortex mm-hmm. due to like that destabilization. So it's, you know, sort of the farmer's all neck isn't really agreeing with the woolly worm. I guess we'll see. Yeah, mm. <laughs> we shall see. What do you got, Alexis? I have a few, but I'll like, I'll share the love and only talk about a couple and let you all go. 
What do you mean you all go? We are already gone. You all? Oh, yeah, well, just, we I don't want to like dominate. Everyone, I'm out here. You do talk, Alexis. That's whatever. <laughs> I just figured Listen, I'd get out of the way. I'm ready for your filibuster. <laughs> get out of my head. <laughs> just keep going. No, I would love to hear what you what you pull I, together. I, mine are, um, I don't know, almost more like statements or cool things that you can do. That mm. are just, I don't know. They're fun story. I I love this kind of stuff. So More of a comment than a question. More of a comment. So one, you Both. Say, honestly, most of mine are. So <laughs> since this is coming out shortly before Halloween, I'm going to prep you all with this one first. So okay. apparently, all right, listen, on Halloween night, okay, if you catch a falling leaf, any falling leaf you want, but catch it falling before it hits the ground, you will have good fortune for the next year. For the next right. year? Yeah. Dang. Wow, that's a lot of return on investment. It's very important. If it, the leaf touches the ground, the magic is gone. Okay? Oh. So you need to really be diligent. You got to be hot like on your it. feet. Get you some coffee. Oh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And catch it uh, before it hits the ground on Halloween night because, as we know, on the Halloween veils, yeah, yeah. The, the be veils between the worlds are thinner. Mm, so you're yeah. going to get good, all those good That's fortunes. good to know. So that one's fun. Uh, another one. So we're talking. We talked about planting some cool flowers for spring. You know, we want spring flowers. One of those flowers that you can plant in the fall, and mm. we probably still have time for because it. it's very cold hardy. Is foxglove. Mm-hmm. That's so a lot good of people house. are familiar. Digitalis, very familiar with foxglove. It is poisonous. Just mm-hmm. FYI, it is poisonous. It is mm-hmm. deadly poisonous. Deadly. Not just like we'll make you a little sick. It's a deadly poisonous, but it's beautiful. And if you've ever seen it, so it's got a spike and it's got these little, um, what look like little bells with little spots in the throat. And mm. I always thought they looked like someplace that a fairy would sleep in. Definitely. Yes. Right. Exactly. Little fairy houses, but they do. And they do invite fairies into the garden supposedly. So, and the, I thought it was interesting to like the name foxglove. There's, uh, I read two different things and they're not sure where it comes, comes from. So one thing I read was that, you know, it's always related back to fairies. And so fairies were called like the little folk, right? The the little folk. And so foxglove was like, yeah, it was like folk. The fae. Oh, folk the love, love. Something yeah. in there like became foxglove. Oh, the fox other glove thing came I, from, cool. from, fa- from folk fairy? Love. Yeah. Yeah, folk. Yeah, from like folk. the word. Like, the word like folk. little folk. Like little, yeah. little folk, got it. Which is yeah, yeah which yeah. is what they call the fairies. Or I also heard that the fairies trained um, foxes to ring, quote unquote, ring the foxgloves, like pull them and, and like the little bell. bells would cha- uh-huh. yeah, cha- like move and supposedly chime to warn the humans that danger is coming. So that's cool. Quote fairies and foxglove. There's so many legends around foxglove. It's all really interesting. There's so many. There's so many. And I think the digitalis is used in like a lot of heart medications. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But once again, very dangerous. It slows your your heart. Yeah, they used to use it it in medicine Mm -hmm. to like slow the heart down. I'm I'm getting digitalis confused with doctura. Uh, the zombie plant. Oh yeah, so it's kind of spooky. I, did, I wish yeah, I had looked that up. Monkshood uh, is Wolfsbane. Is yeah, Monkshood or Jimson? Is it Jimson weed? Is that Yeah, the tour won't kill you. It'll make you trip like crazy, though. Yeah, is that you guys? Is that what they call the zombie? That is the zombie plant that was has been used in different places around the world. I I believe so. Where it induces like a stupor. I wish I heard it. It can last for like two weeks 
Yeah, as oh, I you heard can, it, you can eat it and then and then drip for two weeks. Yeah, as I heard it, what is happening is that uh, this is the mythology behind it, or some folklore is that mm-hmm. you know some this is like kind of northern Mexico, kind of like desert Southwest, was that a like sorcerer put themselves in that plant. And when Mm. you eat it, it comes to you. And like, it's a, you have to do battle with it. Oh, (laughs) and if you lose, it drives you insane. Like man carbs. Yeah. So the devil's trumpet. Yeah. 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 It grows, mm-hmm. you know, as weed around here. And uh, a, f- a friend of mine, who the Mercer County uh, Horticulture Agent, Jessica, her husband is a um, firefighter and was EMS. And she said he came in one day after weed eating the fence lines and stuff. And mm-hmm. of oh, course, chips yeah. um, weed Jeez. is in the, you know, fence lines everywhere around here. And his he came in because he was starting to freak out. His pupils were completely dilated and his nice. heartbeat was like racing and uh come to find out they like went back out and looked and that's what it was and he was like oh yeah that causes blah 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 blah, blah. wow <laughs> and right. so yeah i Intense. uh I yeah, let me revise my statement in enough quantity it will kill you right. yeah well i, I mean said enough it won't, quantity. i said it won't kill you but in enough quantity it definitely will we're not telling you to do anything. don't don't things. eat it <laughs> don't there, there are easier. Go see the Barbie movie. There's other ways to have fun. <laughs> other ways to have fun. <laughs> much, much safer ways to have fun. Ooh, yeah, I've got another ways one to battle a sorcerer. <laughs> I've yeah, got another exactly. one that. This one gives you eternal youth. Oh, okay, listen up. Is this going to be? Ray already did it. I think Ray already. Well, there's so many that are supposed to give you eternal youth. It's crazy. The tree is my personal thing that I use. No. Well, this one, this one is something we can grow here very easily. It's ladies' mantle, Mm -hmm. uh, which is Acamellia, A C H E, uh, I L L E M A or something. Yeah. So it is a really pretty plant. It's great uh-huh. in uh, shade areas. It's mostly foliage and has a, like a real big sort of heart-shaped leaf, mm-hmm. but not not like overly heart-shaped. But it's a big not leaf like a like red that. bud, not like a red bud leaf, right? Low and so apparently, edges. on the first of May, I need you to get your calendars out and mark this. On the first of May, if you drink the dew drops from a top of a lady's mantle leaf, you will have Whoa. eternal youth. Eternal youth. Wonder, wonder where the youth. origins of that. I mean, it's always interesting if you could, if you know the, the origins. Origins of are the person who's lived forever, right? I don't know why uh, you're asking you such silly questions. The U tree is supposed to do the same thing because yeah. U trees mm-hmm. in Europe live like thousands of years mm-hmm. and they just bring up a new tree out of the center of the 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 plant and they can be huge as far as the circumference of those things are mm-hmm. just massive but similar kind of legend is it brings like eternal youth or prosperity and longevity but that's uh, the european use but mm-hmm. uh, literally there's trees that are over five thousand years old and they just keep rejuvenating themselves like the phoenix they'll just send up a new tree out of the center that's a clone and just keep growing and the only way you find uh, trees of that age is like churchyards and things mm-hmm. but that's the the, the european use and it's kind of the similar kind of thing, the longevity. They're uh, so like they're cool looking. Saying. They're all like weird and they don't look of this and, earth. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're wild. They look like I don't know from some other place. Yeah, 
See, speaking of fall stuff and trees, something I really dig is when the ginkgos drop their leaves. They like do them all oh, at yeah. once. That's oh, always it's like so dramatic. Yeah, yeah. it's just this yeah. awesome. And the colors so vibrant. Mm-hmm. Drama queen. That and their leaves are weird. It's cool, exciting. And it's and they're, they're, they're a dinosaur li- tree, you guys. Yeah, yeah. they're a living the fossil. Yeah. It's yeah. like at one point they were like the tree. See, that is, wasn't, that's yeah. what you think of when you think of fall, Josh. Yeah, I knew no, that's you were saving one. something. That's a good one. That <laughs> is a really good one, actually. I like that a lot. Yeah, the color and everything. And like you said, one day, no leaves. Next day, three feet of leaves. That Berea, there was a giant ginkgo behind mm. the um, the science building. And mm-hmm. I would just go down there and just jump yeah. in this back because they would accumulate and just blow down in this little kind of cold. Yeah, it was yeah, amazing. It's really crazy ecologically. I mean, there's an awesome photo of a leaf drop in some Japan. monastery in Asia or whatever. Yeah. But like, um, you know, they used to be the tree and then... You know, there was a big climate shift and they retracted to just a very small place in Asia where they started to kind of, there's some discussion of how there was like an overlap with like monastic traditions, taking care of those trees and keeping them alive. And then now when you see ginkgos around, they all come from like that, what they call it like a refugia in ecology, Mm -hmm. but like the Mm -hmm. last place where they had survived. Mm -hmm. So interesting. Yeah. Ginkgos are cool. Uh, the next one, I'm going to kick the hornet's nest just a little bit because I know people have strong opinions in Appalachia. Some do in certain generations about this, but as far as water dousing, is anyone familiar with that? Divining for water? using? I'm familiar uh, with it. I wouldn't say I'm either, good at it. I've seen people do it. and it's, it's <laughs> Quick start guide, that, Ray. Well, it's interesting. Yeah, go ahead. Lad, yeah, yeah, yeah this- you take either a fork stick that's sort of shaped like a Y of certain type, like willow and sometimes other types of wood, or two very thin sticks with mm-hmm. a angle bent in them, and you hold those in either hand if you're using the thin stick method. And when they cross, that means there's water under the mm-hmm. ground supposedly Mm -hmm. and uh with the y-shaped stick it's when it bends towards the earth Mm -hmm. but there's like a long tradition of that uh and i've seen people do that in older generations you know 200 Mm -hmm. years ago when i was living then you guys since you guys say i'm so old Mm -hmm. Uh, but um (laughs) it's an older generation we don't say that you're old we say that you're eternally young Yes. Right. You've just been young for a long time. Yeah. How long have you? Caffeine is a, yeah, it's a preservative uh, for me. Uh, Little ladies, man. Yeah. All of these things, I know them because I hunt them down across the world. (laughs) But yeah, I've seen people use that. And it was fascinating. But I also observed like, you know, when they would you know, be looking to dig a well. I'd watch, you know, when I was real little, I'd, I was lucky enough to watch people hand dig wells. Mm-hmm. But they were typically in areas that I suspect was pretty easy to find water in. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to discount that tradition. Uh, but but that's just something that I, I felt pretty lucky to be able to kind of um, observe Well, uh, is water dousing. And it was a very, everybody got real quiet. And then I've seen both methods used of the Y-shaped stick and then the two thin sticks that would cross. But it was an interesting and it was plant, sort of a plant-based folklore, sort of Appalachian tradition of finding water. And that's back before more modern geological methods, obviously. (laughs) So I will tell you that my husband is a my is an engineer, very math science oriented, and he swears. What kind of train does he drive? 
What kind of <laughs> a cool one? A good one. A he's, a, he's a he's a Ooh. civil engineer, and so they does do a lot with like. Does Tyler believe in this? Is he well? They use they use it like he like like guys on his their crew when they are doing things and like putting in roads and all like they they use that like they have dowsing rods in their in their like Get company vehicles. Whoa. I swear. Where do you buy that? I mean, do they you have to find they, them? They have competitions for them too. You Did you know to that? Find them. There's like dowsing rod competitions. Wow. And uh, when we Weird. had a, uh, when we had a new water lines put in for the farm, um, they were like patching them off of one that came from the barn. And the guy with the plumbing company was using dowsing rods. And like, that's how he found the line. What he did we, two separate yeah, things. Yeah, that is you're, wild. You're not talking about like a transfer case, a transfer case like like surveying. Is that is that this? This is a different thing from that. No, this is loosely holding like a, Y-shaped is what they probably were doing. I'm guessing. I've only ever seen them like loosely holding like two yeah. rods. Yeah, like, the two, the two I've got seen you. where they're branches, and they, a lot of people say like a, Typically a tree, like hazel. a willow, or yeah, willow that or likes a lot of water. Common, yeah. yeah, you're blowing my mind because I've seen that on like YouTube with like you know, Not just yeah, but like they some, make like, like metal ones huh. too. Yeah, uh, that's it's what amazing I've seen. to me that it's still being used. I hadn't seen it in so long i'd seen yeah. people you know 35 40 it. years ago do that with uh, witch hazel i mean they swore you had to use mm -hmm. witch hazel and then some would say the y shape could be you know willow whatever well, but they swore by the method the so. guy i think it was the plumber and i was talking to him and he was he was doing that and i think he said that like his grandfather used to do these competitions and like he would make his own rods and like yeah they would like swear by one wood or the other yeah. he would make his own and they have these and they still have them like these competitions where to find water who can be the most specific what how they prove out who could find like then they would drill or I, whatever I, yeah I, don't, I think they yeah, have like huh? some sort of like geological map oh, I, I gotcha. don't know and they like place the people they don't know where they're gonna be and then they just like show up to a location that they don't get uh, until like the morning it's of. an interesting like, preservation of it's cool kind it's of so a, cool. an old world technique that's, I mean, that's interesting yeah i had I mean, no idea that or have you seen on. the ones that supposedly when it's going to rain like that so it's like a mm -hmm. y shape would, and you attach it to something it and then down. It, it bends yeah. down when mm -hmm. the rain is coming like yeah, a branch and it bends. I mean, when, when my like service line had a leak in it they brought out a soil moisture probe and like yeah, that's no. How that worked? Yeah, but it had no. a blowing my mind. Yeah. Right now. It's voodoo. It's, yeah, it's it's some woo woo, but man, it's awesome. Well, I mean, if you, I guess in in tradition, if you were going to hand dig a well, you didn't want to go through all that effort of digging a well that's three totally. feet across, and you have to hand rock that, and then you go to the bottom. You you wanted some assurances that you're not going to waste a lot of labor. I right. suppose. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, and if and if if it didn't work, you would think they'd be like, we're not doing that anymore. We're going to try something else. <laughs> right. Right. Or yeah. you say like, that <laughs> guy's no good at it. it. Yeah. Throw him in the river. Oh, yeah. He's the wrong wood. This guy's yeah, over here trying to use Western witch hazel. terrible at dowsing. <laughs> yeah. European witch hazel. There's a difference between the hazel tree and witch hazel people. Wikipedia defines it as a type of divination. Right, mm -hmm. yeah. water divining. Yeah, mm -hmm. I've heard it as dowsing by uh, Appalachians and other parts of the country divining. Yeah, mm -hmm. but I th thought it was interesting. It's one of those kind of plant-based sort of myths or folklore, or you know, however you want to couch that. So yeah, it's interesting. A, a, 
Alexis bringing up ladies mantle made me look that up the Alchemila mm-hmm. Molus or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And that it looks like that name says this is another assumption thought about the beads of water that are collected Mm -hmm. as dew. So the beads of water were considered by alchemists to be the purest form of water. And they use this water when attempting to turn some base metal into gold. Mm. Boom. They'd have purity. I'm going to drink some of that, you know, on May 1st. See what happens. Let me reiterate. You guys never taken like honeysuckle and bit the stem off and pulled the little, I have done that. Parts through to grab the honeydew. Yeah, is that not the most purest form of sugar in the world? The tastiest form. It's very, very lovely. Uh, It (laughs) is. It's got a a floral bouquet. Luckily, luckily the um, the homeowners of Lexington have saw seen fit to give us a bumper crop after bumper crop. (laughs) Amen, brother. Of those flowers. (laughs) Yeah. Lots of those. Standing over. Yeah. Exactly. I always use the vining type, but bush top works. Okay, so uh, one more that I think is like kind of, is pretty popular and I and is very fascinating to me. I like did a deep dive into this a couple days ago. Was the like planting by like the moon phases, oh, and yeah. that's yeah. like yeah, so yeah. very very followed, or at least in my sure. neck of the woods. I know a lot of growers are and. I went online and like there's like online calculators or whatever for each month and it tells you, you know, what days are what. And I was like, I wonder how this compares to what I was already kind of planning on doing. Mm. And for the most part, it was kind of like right on track with what I had planned for yeah, when crops automatic. need to go in the ground. So it was really mm. cool. But it it was a little bit off for like flowering plants versus leaf plants. But, you know, whatever. Right. Flowers need leaves. So the thought process here is that you – plant so you put in the ground you seed whatever plants that produce that above ground crop so tomatoes Mm -hmm. you know things like that cucumbers whatever with a waxing moon which is when the moon is getting larger because so the thought process here is that those plants need more light because they're putting on above ground parts like a lot of fruit and things like that and then you would do below ground crops, so your potatoes, your dahlias, things like that. I guess dahlias are hit or miss, but whatever. Potatoes, sweet potatoes, garlic on a waning moon. So when light is decreasing at night, because that signals the plant to put more energy into a root system, which if you think about mm-hmm. nature, right, you think about fall, yeah. fall, we just talked about, indica- it tells trees there's less light. Um, yeah, and yeah. some places temperature is changing, but not always. It's a lot of it is about light. The That lower light is telling plants to start storing things in the root system, start putting energy there. So, mm. I mean, it, it makes sense. Yeah. But you can yeah, get like, logic to it. Yeah. But I you wonder get, how much of that's based on like the observations we were talking about earlier. They just mm-hmm. tried to correlate it somehow for remembering accurately. I, yeah. I, I wondered that. But, well, so you so can, we're assuming that the, the plant is going to germinate in the course of while the moon is still waxing? Is that the implication? I, I'm not sure. Like I, I, I guess it would is... over the course of a month. Mm-hmm. Right. You're not going to have, I was just thinking, like, yeah. cause if you put the seed in the ground when it's waxing, I guess it, by the time it, right. it would be peeking out by the time. The that's time, an interesting yeah. there's, But there's also like, yeah. so that's very like general. So like if you get into it, and this is what I did, I was like, how does what I was already planning match up with yeah. what these moon faces are? And so then there's like, I did plant or I did start waking up. I don't want to, I want to use plant planting very loosely. I say 
start waking up my corms, my ranunculus corms, during what is a called a barren phase. And mm. this is the time to rest, to avoid sea sowing. This is when you would be storing those crops that you just harvested during the proper time. And it like it makes so much sense, right? So if people are thinking about their there's their own sense of time. There's not like clocks and calendars and all that. They're right. going by the moon faces, right? So they're like, okay, we're going to seed now when the light is getting more. Then when there's no light, we're going to store all that stuff we harvested. And then we're going to plant another set of stuff. So it's just like this continual rotation of plenty of time to do everything. And I'm like, damn it. Why are we not doing this? <laughs> why do we not live our lives these ways? <laughs> Right. Yeah, well, how would you other- remember you had a meeting to go to if you didn't have the days <laughs> numbered? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's an element too of just like th- things fitting within a more human centric structure too. Like it's not mm-hmm. it doesn't always have to just be botanically. It could be that the reason why we do this is because it's easier on our bodies. It's easier, you know. We know we need mm-hmm. the rest at this time or whatever it may be. There's it's also all kinds pop. of things that I feel that we don't yet understand about like the effect that the moon has on, well, we don't understand it in a scientific sense that the, the mm-hmm. moon has on organisms here. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think, you know, some of the, not, not to make these necessarily connected, but I think another aspect is just like the, the ways that we're starting to understand uh, like vibrational frequencies um, mm-hmm. and the ways that they like interact with our nervous systems and like B harmonics. Yeah. Yeah, harmonics of a beehive. Yeah, exactly, Mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah, uh, a friend of ours uh, recently had a a treatment. There's a treatment for alpha gal, the tick-borne illness that doesn't let you eat eat red meat anymore. Um, you well, you can eat it, but you'll have a bad time. (laughs) And he, it's a, it's an acupuncture-driven treatment. Yeah, acupuncture, one of those approaches to health and and medicine that is has a very very long track record in human history and but blending it with these like scientific instruments that's able to kind of measure a certain frequency mm-hmm. and where that frequency passes through your body in in other words there's scientific treatment scientific evidence backing this acupunctural treatment as effective and it's all based around placing a needle according to harmonic frequencies that exist within the body that are known to be related to the alpha gal, uh, I don't know the protein or I don't know what, what mm-hmm. it, yeah, whatever it is that weird. Yeah. And it's like literally vibrational. It feels almost, it feels like magic, right? If to a scientific mm-hmm. mind, it feels like magic and it feels crazy. And I, I just think like frequency of sound and frequency of, uh, of, of energy and things like that. It sounds really woo woo and in many ways it is, but there's also a whole aspect to it that we, you know, there's a certain arrogance to science that if we can't understand mm-hmm. it right now, then it's ugh, right. hogwash. Yeah, like what is woo woo? lack the ability to measure time. and influence. It's like very hard for us to internalize it within like the scientific method. Yeah. I mean, they, it's like a shorthand that I've heard so many times. Like, well, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. Yeah. It's like, okay. So that being said, I don't know that we're ready to give any extension recommendations based on the content today, but you know, we all have our own oh, thoughts and our own minds and our own critical I, perspectives. I have one that you could for an extension uh, okay. really quick. So if you're not sure if your soil is warm enough to plant your summer crops, you know, 
It's really easy to go by air temperature, but really what's more important is your soil temperature. If you sit on the soil uh, butt naked and you don't get cold, then the soil is warm enough to plant your tomatoes. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I do, I do that. Interesting nudist recommendation. Why not peppers? I mean. Hashtag extension yeah. lifestyle. I do that every derby every okay. derby weekend, but I didn't ever relate it to planting tomatoes. I was just yeah, yeah. Yeah. That would be the full moon phase <laughs> right. of the planting cycle. That's just how I figure out whether or not it's cold outside or not. And I just, that's how I take the temperature every day. Yes. Also, if you, uh, if you want your peppers to be hotter, plant them when you're mad. And if you aren't mad oh. very often, call me and I will make sure you get them. I will make them. you mad. Peppers are extra <laughs> spicy. No, no, I'll just plant them for you. They'll be extra spicy. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> Woo. Okay, I'm the sorry. Alexis I interrupted ghost you. Pepper. I, I found like so many really cool ones that I was like, you know what? I might just try that. Plant lures pretty awesome. It's a deep dive. If you go down that hole, you're going to go down for a while into the ancient civilizations of the world. Plant lore mm-hmm. 101. And you know, good stuff. don't 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 disregard the woo woo. Okay, it mm-hmm. comes from everything's woo woo until we figure out exactly why. You know, and then and then we're like, oh yes, well, I mean, technology yeah, is like, like we've been doing this for thousands it. of right. years. It should have been I, obvious. I am yeah. going to go ahead and gar- personally guarantee that I am going to catch a leaf on Halloween right out of the air, a falling leaf. I mm-hmm. expect a video. Have good luck. Yeah, I mean. How could I have? If I fall and break my ankle while I'm doing that, Alexis, I'm coming to you. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, yeah, but then maybe you'll, that'll lead you to buying a Powerball ticket and then Ooh, you'll make true. millions of dollars. It's like not you, looking long enough into the future. Hmm. Listen, the this is a full much. year of Breaking good fortune your ankle here, leads y'all. to the Powerball ticket? <laughs> Obviously. Wow. Making leaps yeah. of logic here, on but the, I like wait, it. Wait, before we go to the emergency room, let's stop and get a Powerball ticket. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> or on the or, way back, you're like, man, I just it's been so rough. Maybe we I'm should maybe we need a little bit of luck. Maybe it's all about perspective. perspective. I, see. I, mean, I think if we're like all it. making like pledges it. for plant stuff, I am going to make a tea out of Datura and wrestle the sorcerer. <laughs> We've so, got some. We, Annie, Annie, you know, witchy, my, my, my witchy, uh, witchy wife, she grows some. So my plant sanity. Uh, here we go. Watch I'm out. drinking tea right now. Maybe I should bring break the bag open and see what the leaves tell me. But they're chopped up quite fine, and my eyes, my eyesight is not what it used to be. Oh, so. after mm-hmm. thousands of years, your eyesight's starting to go, huh? Oh, uh, yeah. It's, I'm going to start to do more. He was really, really concerned with the garlic earlier, now that you say that. Yes, I was. <laughs> you know, the garlic and the garlic. Yeah, I use the cans of, yeah. It doesn't work <laughs> at all, so <laughs> the, the, don't even yeah, try it on Smith. Straight it doesn't work. You're more Smith. Yeah. Also, exactly. I mean, speaking of garlic and things that taste good with garlic, basil. Mm. Basil invites good fortune. Uh, and in like India, basil. people would sprinkle chopped off basil on the floor of their shop because it mm. would ward away evil spirits and attracted customers. So hmm. nice. there you go. There Sometimes you go. the customers are the evil spirits. Well, then you, you get the good customers who spend lots of money with yeah, you. Right. That's and what don't you complain, get. And they pick up they pick up their items from the right spot and yeah. at the right time. The good yeah. Pay for their they know, they share on time. You. Yeah, <laughs> what a fun conversation. Uh, yeah. I enjoyed today. I, I, you know, I could I could just deep dive this stuff. I do. I love it. I, I love the, joy, the traditions. The joy of horticulture. Yes, the joy of plants and and all the lore and mystery that's out there. The mysteries both we've solved and the mysteries that 
we still don't quite understand yet. So I love it all. I love it all. And we love you in your eternal youth. Mm, thank you. <laughs> yeah. About the time I get premature arthritis and, you know, crippling, debilitating problems. We're like, but we keep jinxing you. you every time thank we you. say it. Like You do. Like, you do. Peter Pan is going to fall out of Neverland. Get out there on October 31st and catch that leaf, baby. I'm, I want all I of you it. out there. And that should hold you over till May 1st when, when Josh at. is going to be no, serving no, up no. with these I use unicorn blood. Thank you. Ooh. I use unicorn blood. Thank oh, you. Okay. I live, uh, so you're life. forever cursed? That's I see your <laughs> Right. He's so emo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> emo with a splash of color. <laughs> oh, well, thank you all for being with us today. If you would like to uh, hear more about plant folklore or any other deep dives you'd like for us to take, we're all about deep diving about plants. Okay. We're here for that. Uh, we'll, we will report back about the Halloween night slash May 1st eternal youth. I mean, we don't even have to report. You're gonna know, right? No, we're eternally. We're gonna brag about it. We're (laughs) we're gonna brag about it. I'm gonna post all the selfies. But anyways, you can follow us on Instagram at hortculturepod. You can send us an email with all of your suggestions uh, at hortculturepodcast at l.uky.edu. You can leave us a review and just tell us how much you love plant folklore and how much good fortune you have because you put basil down uh, or that you're planting by the moon cycles now. So leave us a review. We would we appreciate that. It helps other people find us. Makes the algorithm happy, as I always say. We got we we got it. Maybe we need to give the algorithm some basil or something. <laughs> yeah. I give it a little bit of woo-woo. Well, we hope you enjoy your woo-woo and uh, you know, don't be afraid to spread that far and wide with your plant woo-woo out there. Uh, and we hope that as we grow this podcast, you will grow with us and that you will have a great time and join us again. Have a good one.